back to our listeners to FIU's Tech Conversations, now in season five. And I have the pleasure today of welcoming in someone that I got to know actually through an influencer on Instagram. And she's an amazing entrepreneur with an inspiring story. I want to welcome in Allison Grooms, first of all, a mama, CEO of James and Jules Boutique out of Carleton, Georgia, creator and founder of Jazz Cosmetics. Welcome, Allison. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It is an honor and a privilege to be here with you guys today. Excellent. I, I love having people like yourself here that are entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneur, because you have more than one business. So that's what I'd like to call you. And yeah. I just want to kick it off. I want to talk about your journey. Who is Allison Grooms? Let's kick it off, off there. Yeah, sure. So first and foremost, First and foremost, I am a wife and a mama to three babies. Well, they're not babies now. Um, I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a two-year-old. I have two dogs. Um, I love what I do. I love people so much. And so I feel like with the businesses that I have, I get to just love on people. And that is my favorite thing in the whole world is just to um, serve the Lord with my gifts and then to love other people and get to do it at the same time. So anyways, that's kind of a little snippet of who I am. So, you know, a lot of people wonder, you know, how do you start a business, Jules and James? And I know in our little prep talk before the podcast, you actually told me that your business um, started online first and then brick and mortar. But before we get to that, I want you to share the story of how this all came to be and sort of an event that took place almost 10 years ago, right? You said you're celebrating right. 10 years of yeah. Jules and James. That really left you a little bit like a flat tire. How did you put air back in? Talk about that. Sure. So, you know, I would say with most paths that you take in life, whether you're an entrepreneur or a business owner or I mean, really, even if you're just an employee, there's going to be things that happen that are just going to completely knock the wind out of you. And it's in those moments that you, you know, you have to decide what path you're going to take. So um, when I first kind of started this journey, I, um, I purchased an embroidery machine. So my first, the first way that I was making money was I was actually embroidering items and I had, um, ambitions to sell them at craft fairs and then I wanted to be on Etsy and that sort of thing and so I risked a lot of money at the time it was a lot to us because we didn't really have much um but I had to even borrow $200 from my father-in-law to enter this craft show and then I probably invested maybe $500 maybe a little more on the supplies I had a thousand dollars in a machine that I had purchased and so I knew that I was going to have to bust my butt to get all this stuff done so that I could have a lot of merchandise to sell. And my goal that day was to sell $2,000. And I really like believed that I was going to sell majority of the things that I brought that day. And I entered this craft fair and it was a huge like festival. There were thousands of people there and it was hot. Um, I had friends like come and like say hey throughout the day my sister was there to help me run it my husband was so kind to help me set it all up and at the end of the day I walked back to the car and carried every single thing that I started the day with I might have sold one one or two things I really can't even remember I just remember being so defeated that 
like I was embarrassed even, you know, like my, I had neglected my friends and family for the last like couple months because I had just been working around the clock to get this stuff together for this festival. And it was a complete failure. And so I'm not going to lie. I took some time to feel those feelings of defeat and failure, but then you know, I don't know what happened inside of me, but I just said, you know what? I'm not going to give up just yet. For one, I can't because I have all this stuff that I've got to figure out to do with. And so I just really like took time and went to the drawing board and just figured out what's next, you know? And so from there, I just kept going, kept building. And um, maybe four years Four years after that, five years after that, I was um, on the Inc. 5000 list. I was actually on the Inc. 500 list. So we were number 85 for the fastest growing businesses in the United States, privately owned. Um, so we made top 100 of that list, which was like, I I, I was just hoping to make the 5000 list. We had a 4000% growth rate within three years. And it's just been a wild ride since those so, beginning. So let's talk about that. You know, you Hi. were defeated, but you picked yourself up, obviously, in a short amount of time. So where does the idea to uh, launch Jules and James as an e-commerce business come from? Yeah, so from there, I was um, doing embroidery on a lot of items. And if you think about the fact that I was doing embroidery on every on all the items, you can imagine I was touching and having to do things to every single piece before it left my hands and was shipped out to a customer. And so I realized, I was like, there's got to be like a faster way to turn inventory to get things in and then get them out without me having to put so much manual labor into them. And so from there, um, I actually started a Facebook group. And so this was before anyone was selling anything on social media. I did not know one person doing it this way, but I just leveraged the power of social media when no one was doing it. Now it's not really, you know, that grandiose of an idea, but um, nobody was doing it um, seven years ago. And so I just started posting everything that I was selling on social media. It was also a time where there was no algorithm like nobody even knew what the word algorithm meant there wasn't one and so when i posted things thousands of people would see it and so um we just started selling that way on social media and we had a huge following and then from there um our customers just really said we want a store we would love to have a brick and mortar store and so in 2018 i believe i think it was 2018 i opened up my first brick and mortar store in Carrollton, Georgia. Wow, what a ride. I mean, I see you guys wow. go to markets. So explain yeah. to people listening, you know, how does that work? You guys go to the market, you meet with all these people that are selling the different brands of Omji, THML, Joe mm -hmm. Fate. I've learned so much about these brands that yeah. I had no idea existed from being um, on, on the websites and following different boutiques and analyzing how People have different strategies across the board. Like I myself have, have right. learned a lot about it in my spare time. So talk about that. Like, how does it work? So you go to the markets, you're meeting with all these people selling all these brands. How does that work? Yeah. So um, when we go to market, we go to several markets a year. They have them all over the United States, but we pretty much go to the ones in Dallas, in Vegas, um, sometimes Atlanta. 
<clears throat> but we will meet with our manufacturers and we're always working about six months ahead. So um, I had a meeting this morning planning out when I'm going to head to LA um, where our manufacturers, a lot of them are and working on spring already. So we're already, um, we already have like pretty much all of our purchasing done through this year. And then we're already, it's funny. It's like before even the season changes in Georgia, we do have some cool weather and it's finally feeling like fall and I'm already skipping forward and working on spring for next year. So, um, we're always like definitely living ahead. And so we'll go to market and, uh, choose the pieces that we want to bring in. And a lot of times that's, um, you know, checking the fits and, We'll talk with our manufacturers about fit adjustments we want to make, or we like this body, we want this print, um, and just kind of work really closely, or work pretty closely with our manufacturers on stuff like that. And how do you really choose, like, what ends up at the store versus online? Because sometimes I have to call the store when you guys do the Instagram and you do that uh -huh. little review, and I'm like, oh, that's not online, and then I have to call the store and buy it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, how do you decide I that? I would say majority of our pieces that we think are amazing, they end up in both places. And then we do carry some brands like that brand Faith that you love. I also love, it's one of my favorite brands. Um, that brand we do not carry online because we sell, the number one size that we sell online for our company is large and extra large. And Fate, they have, for whatever reason, their customer base is usually a smaller size. And so their ratios are, they do three smalls for every large they sell. And oh, we, wow. um, yeah, we have a hard time getting rid of our size small in general. And so we would just end up, it just wouldn't work financially for us to carry it because we would have way, we wouldn't even sell enough of the smalls and then we would have huge wait lists for the large. So um, that's why we don't carry that particular brand online. But for the most part, um, you know, we can't carry everything in the store because we just have more styles online because we have a larger customer base. So we just kind of have to pick and choose. You can send all the smalls my way. I'm either extra right? small in THML or small depending on the fabric. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, Fate is one of my all-time favorite brands, but we are, are going to be um, doing some manufacturing with them in the spring and we'll um, be able to choose our own ratios. So Excellent. Yeah. I'll look forward yeah. to that. So let's, yeah. let's shift gears here and talk about the challenges with the app and selling across Facebook and uh, TikTok and Instagram, because I have been following you guys for a while. And I know you started with one website that you were able to have the lives going on. Then the lives paused for a while. You guys had to reach, you know, change the whole website. Like I know your yeah. entire business, like I could literally be your consultant. I love um, it. <laughs> Um, and I just, I, I followed it and I even sent a couple of messages. I probably stalked you guys asking what happened to the lives. But then I heard that a lot of people were also asking about that. So talk about the challenges with these platforms. Yeah. So, oh gosh, you know, um, one of the biggest challenges is nothing is ever consistent with like technology and, um, you know, things that worked for us one year ago, two years ago, and things that worked for us like crazy well two years ago, no longer worked for us. And so I would say the biggest challenge is just adapting to technology at all times and learning to pivot 
at all times. So um, we've we've had a lot of technology changes, as you know. Um, we were on the platform Comment Sold for about six years, I believe. And then we left Comment Sold and we went to um, Shopify. And we had lots of reasons for switching from Comment Sold to Shop Shopify. Um, but some of the reasons were we just felt like we were kind of hitting a ceiling with Comment Sold and um, we weren't able to do all the things that we wanted to do in order to grow. And Shopify was offering some of those things to us. Um, but even in that, it's been a very, very difficult transition. And there's definitely been times where I've wondered, like, did I make the right decision? Um, and long term, it does support our goals. Um, we used to be a business that would sell about 80% of our items that we would launch that day. We would sell through those items in one day. But it created like, <clears throat> for us, it created like a rat race mentality. And like, it was like we were on a hamster wheel of like, we were always working so hard to get that revenue that we needed for that day and for that week. And now we have more of like a website model to where we do photo shoots once a week, we launch our products. And we don't sell 80% of our collection that day, but our shoppers are shopping all across our website. They're going to our tops, they're going to our denim, they're going to our accessories, they're, you know, grabbing a jacket, they're just kind of shopping across the board, instead of like selling, we're not selling out of like our new arrivals every single day. But it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's just a totally different model of a business. Um, and it's, it's a lot better for us as a staff, because we're looking at numbers for the week and for the month, instead of like that day, looking at how did we sell out of this stress? Did we sell out of this jacket? Did we sell out of these jeans? And it's also, I feel like it's easier for our, when we get a new customer, because we're also paying a lot in advertising now where we weren't um, a few years ago, but now if we're paying for um, advertisement, we want a customer to come to our website and to see that we have a lot to offer instead of it being, they come to our website, we first of all paid for them to be there on our website. And then uh, they would be frustrated and also confused that they got an ad and there's nothing in stock. So um, it's just definitely like, you know, a different model of how we're doing things compared to how we used to do it. So talk to me about something that you, you promote a lot, which I think is interesting. You guys said that you've sold over 100,000 of those Why Am I pants. Yeah. I mean, that must have made you like the queen of Why Am I. Talk about, you know, yeah. that phenomenon really quick. Yeah, sure. So um, our Why Am I pants are this, it's just a, it's for lack of better words, like a denim that had, you know, it's almost like leggings meets denim in form of a dress pant. So we love our Why My Pants because you can wear them to work, you can wear them casually, you can wear them like you would jeans, um, but they come in lots of colors. And Why Am I has been so awesome for us because we've kind of like, I don't want to say built our business around it, but like twice a year we launch new colors. So we launch um, a color palette in the fall and then we launch a color palette in the spring. And it's just amazing because we can just style all of our outfits around this one product. And so we go really, really deep in this one product and we have trained our customers to love this product. So um, I think it's definitely one of those things that I think that 
anybody, especially in retail, if you can find one product that you are super passionate about, you can almost teach other people to love it and be passionate about it. And therefore you're going to sell it. Because if we would have still bought 10,000 pair in the spring, but then we didn't really advertise them or like hype them up or go on and on about them, then I don't think that we would have had the same results. And so it's just really like the art of advertisement, you know, to teach and train your customers like what to love and why. And so we definitely love those pants and they have been a top, top seller for us. And then now, you know, they are a good product. It's not like we're teaching or trying to get them to love something that isn't good. And so our customers love them too. And so now it's like, they kind of do the heavy lifting for us because one, they're going to come back and get the new colors every season. And then they're also going to bring a friend with them when they get them. Yeah, so I, I have yet to try the YMIs because you haven't? I have, I haven't because I, I'm addicted to pants that are joggers <laughs> with an elastic okay. waist and anything yeah. that's loose. That is so funny. I can't believe you haven't tried them yet. I haven't. I haven't. I have to set my mind to it and be like, okay, I'm going to try them because I feel like I get uncomfortable in, yeah, in that well, type of... That. If you have something <laughs> that you love, then by all means. Okay. So let's shift gears here because you have a successful business with Jules and James, right? I, I love that it started as e-commerce and then became brick and mortar. You did it the other way around. Right. You're more of a Jeff Bezos. He started with the e-commerce and now he's trying to build stores to compete with, with uh, Walmart. So you launched this cosmetics company called Jazz. I'm assuming that this is also named after your three children, right? It, yeah. Yes. And I guess my question to you is the same question that we ask our fellows at the incubator at Florida International University when they come with a cosmetic or a nail idea or a candle idea or Pants, like, why am I, I've seen these things at the incubator, you know, and I, I tell them, I said, there's already this type of product out there. So what makes Jazz unique, have a competitive advantage that I don't have to go and buy Clinique or buy Sephora? Explain sure. that. So I think what my thought process was, um, one, I love beauty. I've always loved beauty products, like extra dream love for like just all things beauty um and for me it was just an extension of something that I'd already built and I felt like it was an easy add-on you know it's not like I'm trying to sell cat food all of a sudden it's something you know I'm already like in the public um you know people already are looking at my face all day and it's something because I've already been passionate about it people have always asked me what eyeshadow are you wearing what lipstick shade is that what is this what is that how is your skin so clear and um I, I've even been passionate about um skincare before I mean for years <clears throat> so it just seemed like an easy add-on and so um a couple years ago um I just had made a few connections of people and it just was like one door opened to another and then um I was introduced to a lab where they make clean health or um, not healthcare, clean skincare and clean cosmetics. And so um, <clears throat> this is also kind of an industry secret, but you asked me like, what's the difference or what makes it better? I'll tell you this, a lot of it is the same. And a lot of it, I mean, there, okay, there's 
stuff that's made not in the USA that's not good, but then there's stuff that's made in Europe that's fantastic. Um, and then there's stuff that's made in the United States that is absolutely wonderful and amazing. But a lot of it is the same. And a lot of it, from what I'm learning and learned about it, a lot of it is um, made in the same labs, but it's just the way that it's marketed and the way that it's presented to the consumer. And that's something that I've that's been very eye-opening to me that there are serums that certain companies can sell for $350, but then another company is going to sell it for $150 and it's the exact same formula in the tube. I know. I've heard that before from from different articles. I I heard that, you know, like L'Oreal, I think uses the same labs as I think it's Revlon and Clinique and like, it's coming from the same place. Um, I think what you need to pay attention to is the ingredients as well, because if you can find a formula that has that at a cheaper price, I think it's worth it, right? Yeah, but I will say one thing that I do appreciate about the lab that I use is um, everything is very, very confidential. So um, like, I don't even know what is being made in the lab that I'm using. And I've visited the lab, but the lab that I go to when I go and visit it's a humongous lab and I'm literally only allowed in one room of the entire lab. And so I actually do appreciate that because I feel like it doesn't, it does protect the integrity of the companies that they represent and they work with. So I think that's really cool. Um, But, you know, it's all about the power of branding for anything that anyone creates or that they, you know, want to sell. It's all about the power of branding. And so um, jazz, I have not been able to give it my full attention that I wanted to give to it. And I'll tell you, I have kind of used my influence um, to wholesale my products more than I have to retail my products. So, um, yeah, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of potential with jazz cosmetics, um, but I've not even like scratched the surface really with what all that that's possible there. I will tell you that, you know, I do watch other people do what you guys do with the lives and things like that, other boutiques. And I have seen at least in two of them, jazz being sold, which caught my attention. Yeah. Cause I saw that and I said, oh, wow. You know, you went to market and I know you said, oh, we're here, you know, buying, but we're also here, you know, as exhibitors, like trying to push our product out and it has gotten picked up. I've seen it in at least two other um, lives that I sort of tuned into quickly. Um, and I was very proud to see that I, you're definitely yeah. somebody that's up and coming. So tell me what's next for Jules and James besides jazz, any other ideas, surprises that we can tune into the future? Um, well, a little secret is we're actually going to be opening up our second brick and mortar store. So that's going to be happening, um, in the spring of next year. And so we'll be opening in noon in Georgia. So that's Aww. pretty much like the next big thing that we're doing but other than that we're just you know I feel like we're kind of in a season of I'm really not trying to grow the business I'm just trying to sustain what we have and make sure you know we're taking care of our customers our employees are happy and um I think that I have this I think that I think that the hustle culture can be toxic you know of like always trying to grow and always trying to reach the next thing and I think that I just had an epiphany probably this year of like, you know what, like enough is enough and we are, I'm happy and we have everything we need and 
I just want to see my, um, I want our business to thrive and then I want the people that work for me for them to thrive. And I think that's, that's it for me. So I see it. I see it in that those ladies that we know, what is it? Mitzi and Kayla and all these characters yeah. that we, that we see on Instagram yeah, and I call a store and I've spoken to all of them. So, okay. So final message, Allison, as we wrap up, wrap up this podcast, which has been to me an, uh, enjoyable because a lot of the things that I see you guys talking about on Instagram and that you guys share a lot, it really brings to light a lot of your brand and what you guys stand for. And it's really, I think about community, um, what you're trying to build and that that's very admirable. So, you know, a message to anyone wanting to do a startup or a venture, um, an entrepreneur, what, what advice would you give them that you didn't give yourself that day or that you gave yourself that day that you felt defeated and you, you did pick yourself up? You know, I heard, I heard someone say this a while back ago, and this is not profound at all, but it's very simple, but it's everything is figure outable, literally everything, everything under the sun is figure outable. And so I have to remind myself that like literally week to week, you know, that my next, you know, obstacle it's figure outable and it, it may not be in the scope of what I can do, but there's resources and there's people that can help me. And it's just about finding who I need to talk to or finding what resource I need to read or watch or listen to. Everything is figure outable. So that's, I love that. I love that because I see, you know, I think as we age, we go figuring out things. And I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, wow, if we could have just figured it out, you know, 10 years ago, had had that aha moment of saying, mm -hmm. oh, this is what I want to do, or this is how you do it, or this is where what it needs to be. But I think that it's all about a path that we follow, a journey. And we all have different, I always tell people, we all have different cards laid out, but not everything, like you said, not everything I think is written and everything can be figured out. Everything has a solution. Nothing right. is, yes. I mean, your car breaks down, you know, you need to call the repair shop. So I always try to take things, you know, as they come and um, following your business has definitely been eye-opening. And as I compare it to other, you know, businesses out there, and now that I've spoken to you first person, I see again, a sense of community um, of an entrepreneur that really started you know, doing one thing and has ended up creating sort of an empire. So congratulations to you and your staff and your family. And once again, thank you for joining the podcast, Allison. I know we went back and forth. I know you're busy. Um, no, again, Allison, Allison Grooms is the CEO of uh, Jules and James Boutique out of Carleton, Georgia. She's the creator and founder of Jazz, Co Jazz Cosmetics. But I think your most important title is Mama and Dog Mom. Yep, that's right. <laughs> thank you again, Allison. Thank you so much, Maggie. Thank you.